What it do, what it do. Welcome into the Common Fan. I'm your host, Austin Dunstan, joined today by the original Common Fans themselves, Dude and B-Ray. How are you guys doing today? Hey, what's happening? Good to be in the board. Hey, doing well. Hey, well, thanks for having us back. Well, good. Of course, of course. Well, guys, I am first going to announce that if you haven't seen it already, the CommonFanOfficial.com is live. We've got some really good articles going up. I believe Dude's written one. I've written one. All the bullpen gang. Everybody's writing articles. Good stuff. Uh, go check it out at thecommonfanofficial.com. B-Ray, you should get in on that action. You should start writing. You know what? I think I will. Hey, I'd love to. Just send it to me, and we'll get it up there for sure. Uh, but, yeah, everybody go yeah, check that out. You should have his email address. You should have his email address in your textbook window. Yes, sir. I got that the other day. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, we need to get that going. But, yeah, y'all be sure to go check it out. Uh, some really good stuff going up. Uh, but, anyway, let's go ahead and get into it now that that's out of the way. SEC football is finally back, and I want to hear your guys' take. What did you guys think about the weekend overall? I thought it was back, and I think like most people, I was extremely shocked and how good Mississippi State looked and how good that transfer quarterback was. Um, overall, I think it was – I think the teams look better this year. I mean, obviously, Mississippi State put up big numbers on LSU, but if you look at some of the uh, teams in the middle at the, lo- at the lower end, even including Arkansas, I know they kind of got run away against, but I looked like they had more fight this year and looked like they were better coached. And, and uh, Texas A&M and Jimbo Fisher are – what I've always thought they were is Jimbo's been able to hide behind great, great players, and I don't think he's got some great players at A&M. What do you think, dude? Yeah, and I, I would tag along to that as well. I, I think the thing that I noticed, number one, is, is the teams that are supposed to be all that, they kind of made a case for all those cupcake games they played first two or three weeks of the season because they really didn't look all that. You know, Georgia spent a better part of two and a half quarters trying to find themselves. They, they finally did, but typically they get those things done against the directional school instead of against Arkansas. I, I thought the SEC did everybody a real disservice, and I talked about it in my article there at the end. That, that, that they did Missouri and Kentucky and Vanderbilt and Arkansas a real disservice by instead of allowing those four teams to play each other in this expanded schedule, they offered them up as sacrificial lambs to the top four teams in the or the top two teams in the conference uh and and i think you know that was by design you know the sec's always got a re, they're always trying to get two teams into that top four at the end of the year and this year's no exception uh but even even that said I, you know we talk about it in the nfl from time to time that the line between great and suck is pretty fine in the nfl and and I think you could probably, to a lesser degree, say the same thing about the SEC. Okay, yes, there there are teams in the SEC that are ten through fourteen instead of one through four, but that line is not as distant as it maybe is in other conferences. So the fact that you know Georgia went out and struggled with a team like Arkansas for two and a half quarters wouldn't probably happen had Georgia got to play those non-conference games. Yeah, no, and I, I agree, but, you know, it didn't really work out. I guess that's what you get. It, it is still the SEC, you know. Mississippi State on paper should have gotten smacked around by LSU. They went out there and they beat them. I mean, you look at Vanderbilt. They gave they gave Kellen Mond and Jimbo Fisher, they gave the whole Texas A&M team all they could handle. 
I mean, and you look at it, yes, it is an easier game in theory, but I think as far as spreads go, I think no, no, Georgia didn't cover. I think Florida is the only team that covered that had a quote-unquote easy game. Um, they only covered by two points, too. I mean, you look at the spreads, Texas A&M was a 30-point favorite over Vanderbilt and beat them by five. I mean, you look at um, Florida, yes, they won 51, but they, they also gave up 35 points to an Ole Miss offense that was nothing last year. You know what happened with LSU. And then Arkansas and Georgia, Georgia doesn't cover, so it doesn't really work out as well as you thought because it is still the SEC. Yeah, and I think one thing you do learn about the SEC, great quarterback play is a great equalizer. And to, to uh, piggyback on your comment about the the everybody in the SEC has got really good players. Now, you get into the top half versus the bottom half, it gets to be depth issues. And then the difference between the middle and the top is quarterback play. And you got a good quarterback, you're going to be in a lot of games. Yeah, no, that's I, been the story of football for 150 years. Yeah, no, I could not agree more. Uh, the one thing that I do, I'm not sure yet, um, is Mississippi State. Yeah, okay, don't get me wrong. Mike Leach's offense is absolutely electric. I mean, and, but you've never really seen an air raid offense in the SEC, at least to this extent. Uh, and you got to remember that LSU lost 19 of 22 starters from that national championship team. So is the, the question is, is Mississippi State really just this great and electric, or did, is LSU just not nearly as good as we thought they were going to be? I think we're yeah. going to find that out Saturday night. You know, I, I think Arkansas's defense is much improved from last year, as, as they showed in that ball game Saturday. They were getting pressure on the quarterback. They were hitting hard as any team I've seen hit since Keith Burns was the defensive coordinator at Arkansas. And they had, I mean, they they were, they were laying lit so hard that the, the Georgia players were, were laying down. I mean, I can think of three specific instances where a Georgia player was carrying the ball towards an Arkansas defender and just slid like they were a quarterback. And one of them was the quarterback. So it's going to be interesting to see if, and, and I think Arkansas secondary is pretty good too. So if, if, if Arkansas can get the pressure on that quarterback, and, and like I said on one of the earlier shows, Arkansas is going to get a chance to see Mississippi State's uh, offense on film, and LSU didn't have that opportunity. So there might be a little bit of an advantage there, and then everybody improves week one to week two. So you'll get a little bit better gauge about you know how bad Arkansas is and how good Mississippi State is come Saturday night. Yeah, and I think that's well, the, I think, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, Bray. No, I, I was going to say there's a lot of uh, I think there's a lot of, of truth in that statement in that both your comments on LSU's definitely come back to the pack. Uh, they did lose a lot of players. They've come back to the pack, uh, <clears throat> thinking they were going to probably have an easy game with Mississippi State last week, and it didn't work out because um, Mississippi State goes back to dudes comment earlier, you know, the difference in talent is not that great in the first 22, but you get an exceptional quarterback in there, and that levels the whole playing field. And so I think you're both right. Yeah, no, LSU might not win a game. Well, I don't know. I wouldn't go that they, far. Who do, who, do they ha- who do they have next? Man, dude, uh, let me see if I can't pull it up. Uh, it looks like LSU's, LSU has Vanderbilt this weekend. Okay, so they might be able to get well against Vanderbilt, but if LSU had to play Georgia next week or Auburn, 
next week or Alabama or even A&M and lose that game, they get 0-2, they're through. And this is not shaping up to bode well for them because Mississippi State was a game that I think they had marked in the win column. Yeah, no, no question. I, I agree, and I'm looking at LSU's schedule right now. Tell me, look at this. Okay, they had Mississippi State, who they thought was going to be a cupcake, right? Then they got Vanderbilt. Yeah. Then they got Missouri. Those were their first three games. Okay, should have started three and zero, and they're not should have started three and zero. I think that's what they're pushing for. Then they got Florida, South Carolina, Auburn, Bama, and then they got Arkansas, and then they finished the season with A and M and Ole Miss. I mean, their schedule ramps up. They've got. Uh, Auburn and Bama back to back. I mean, if they don't pick it up fast, they they might be gone for a while. Yeah, yeah, I, I think they're in trouble, and, but, and I I think the coaches probably knew they were in trouble. You know, and I mentioned it in my article, and we've kind of hit on it here, but it doesn't just go for LSU and Mississippi State. It goes for pretty much every team. Uh, it's just it's been such a weird season. Uh, no spring practice, a limited amount of fall camp days, you know, no media in, no fans. It's just a different season. So I think for us to make a hard judgment on any team at this point is is kind of unfair because we've seen them play without with the the least amount of preparation that they're ever going to have again against the best best teams in the country. You know what I mean? So I really think that we're going to have to wait and see. I think that's true, but, you know, relatively speaking, everybody's in the same boat. It's just like, you know, we're all playing in the same weather. We've all had the same amount of prep time. all had the same type of prep time. You know, it wasn't like, you know, Arkansas got to play three cupcakes and Georgia just came right out of the hat playing Alabama. You know, everybody's kind of in the same boat. But I, I get your point. Now, let me shift you. Let me ask you a question. I, I like, this is for the room, and, 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 and Austin, I'll go, go to you first. Especially – I think probably the opt-outs hit LSU worse than anybody. Are, are, are these kids opting out because they're worried about their health, or are they opting out because, and I don't know if anybody's ever mentioned this before, but say they opt out, they still get their year back if they want it. Look at their draft stock at the end of the year, and then if they want to come back, they've still got their eligibility, and they got to take a year off. Is it health-related? Is it prepping for the NFL-related? Or are they just wanting a year off? You know, I think you've got a little bit of both right there. You have some guys that are truly concerned uh, for COVID reasons. And, you know, I get it. I get it. Uh, they're actually concerned for their health. But you also have some guys that have come out and said, look, I'm just going to focus on the NFL draft, uh, including Jamie Newman, the quarterback out of Georgia. Uh, so I think you have a little bit of both. Um, and who's to say they don't come to the end of the season and see their draft stock and they're not in the top three rounds. Maybe they come back and decide to play next year. I think that gives them a level of uh, flexibility on what they're going to do with their future, but I certainly think that it's not all 100% COVID-related. B-Ray? No, it's 100% NFL draft-related. I think there may be some players in there that are hurt. Uh, they give them the opportunity that maybe gives them a little extra time to rehab. But other than that, I think it's 100% NFL draft-related. If Trevor Lawrence set out this whole year, he was going to be the number one pick probably. Justin Fields is going to be a top two or three pick, even if the Big Ten wasn't going to play. Um, so I think a lot of – those lot, guys are going to play. Yeah, I know. But I'm just saying they could set out, and I, and I don't think it really hurts your elite player's draft status more than a spot or two maybe. But are all I think these a guys lot of, elite, or they just think they're elite? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, they're all projected yeah. NFL draft picks, absolutely. 
Okay. Like I said, there may be some in there that are just hurt and just like, hey, you know what? I got I got a I got a, a get out of jail free card. I got an extra year. Take advantage of it. Maybe they, you know, maybe you got some kids want to finish grad school or something. Hell, I don't know. But I mean, I, I think most of it's NFL related. And there's a lot of you know another small percentage in there that's other. Yeah, I agree. And going back to what you said about Trevor Lawrence, um, I respect the kid a ton. I mean, because the kid is a stud. First of all, he could have not played another snap after his freshman year and still been drafted number one overall, but he was the guy leading the charge for We Want to Play. And that's just a competitive spirit, man. That's just a winner. So I respect him a lot because, like you said, he could have not. if he doesn't play another snap this year, he's still the number one draft pick in the NFL come May. Yeah, and okay. that's what I say. Hey, you know what? Winners win and leaders lead. There you go. You can't. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what their projected draft status is. It could be the worst guy on the team. But if he's gonna he's gonna lead when it's time for him to lead, and he's gonna uh, be ready to go when it's time for him to be ready to go, uh, okay, that's we'll the difference between winners and losers. Okay, so to Austin's point, tipping his hat, Trevor Lawrence, you're you're the general manager of an NFL team. You're looking at Trevor Lawrence, who did play, and the quarterback for was it LSU that opted out? Uh, Georgia, Jamie Newman. Who, who are Georgia? Okay, who are you gonna take first? I mean, are you going to look at Trevor Lawrence and say, he's a leader, he's a competitor, he played when he didn't have to? Or are you going to look at this other guy and say, he was, he's clearly more about himself? Yeah, no, I agree. Obviously, no, but, you can I go mean, ahead, B-Ray. Don't you go think ahead. it's a double-edged – I guess it's, it's a, is it the double-edged sword that I see? Does everybody say it's the double-edged sword? No, I, I think it's – I think leaders lead, and I think NFL teams want leaders in the – you know, Dak Prescott. They, you know, a couple of years ago during the whole national anthem thing, he said, look, I'm standing. That's what leaders do. And I think any NFL locker room, especially when it comes to their quarterback, they, they want a leader. And I think the elite franchises appreciate that. Now, this guy from Georgia, I, I don't even know actually was setting out or he was an NFL prospect. I must have missed that. But uh, this guy, I mean, if you're looking at, if you're in the room and you're going like, hey, who, who do we want to pick here? Do we want to pick the guy that transferred, was a grad transfer that went to Mississippi State that may be marginally ahead or marginally behind, but, hey, he came out there this year, had a good year, uh, led his team. I mean, does that give you more stock? I think so. It would for me if I was drafting players. Yeah, no, I agree. Well, we're going to have to take a quick break right here. We're going to be right back with more talk right after this. Oh, hi. Didn't see you there. I was just channeling my inner Bob Ross. While I've got your attention, you should go ahead and follow The Common Fan on Twitter, at The Common Fan. Go ahead and follow us on Instagram, at The Common Fan Official, as well as YouTube, The Common Fan Official. All podcast platforms are just The Common Fan. We'll be right back. Thank God. Keeping your business free from infection is serious business. Are you making sure your employees and customers are safe with solutions that are truly safe for them to use? If you're asking employees to use disinfectant all day, every day, make sure it's the right choice. If you want your customers to be safe, use the best products. 
Waltz D is an EPA-registered hard surface disinfectant that is FDA-approved for food contact surfaces. It's a new era of clean, built for the new normal, an environmentally friendly disinfectant that is safe, effective, and sustainable. Welcome back into the Common Fan. If you haven't already, be sure to check out Walt's free hand sanitizing lotion at store.avcare.com. Go ahead and use code TCF20 for 5% off your purchase. That goes to the boys. Support the brand. Support the boys. Walt's free. All right. We're here with Dude and B-Ray, the OG Common Fans, and we've been talking heavy SEC. Now, I want you guys to get a way too early first take. I want you to get a way too early. That's what I'm saying. I want you guys to tell me, who do you think is going to come out on top in the SEC? Dude, you I can think about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think he was about to say the same thing. Well, from what I've seen this weekend, from what I saw this weekend, it looks like uh, Bama, Florida are kind of a step ahead of everyone else right now. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to all the elements that we alluded to earlier about uh, getting a few games under their belt. I think you'll have a better idea uh, third Saturday in October than you do now. But, I mean, just going off the weekend, Florida had a good win at Ole Miss, <clears throat> um, put up a lot of points, well coached. Bama's just Bama. And, honestly, below under that, I, I think it's, there's a lot up for grabs. I mean, Auburn looked okay. They didn't look great. Uh, Texas A&M should be world beaters. They didn't look that great. LSU, they lost. Mississippi State looked good, but you know the jury's still out a little bit this weekend. Their game against Arkansas. So I think past Florida and Bama, I think it's wide ass open, and I think anything could happen in this year. I got you. What do you think, dude? You you know I I I think it's way way too early to make a predict, especially this year. Well, I that's mean, the point. Know, this is a way too early Alabama, prediction. Alabama and Florida are the sexy picks, but you got to figure Georgia. Georgia had Georgia played bad and still won pretty good. You, somebody's going to have to deal with Georgia. They, they're, you know, they and they medically cleared their next in line quarterback to play today, so he will be available for the Auburn game Saturday. Magically, they didn't waste any time. Yeah, magically, um, <laughs> which, which you know they were going to have to have. I mean, that's what they had. They had some good players, and they had, and they'll have to be dealt with. I, you know, it's always a three ring circus in the East: Tennessee, Georgia, um, and Florida. In the West, though, I think you, you know you're probably right. Alabama's out in front of everybody. However, nobody knows how the injury bug is going to hit. Nobody knows if the COVID bug is going to hit. You know, somebody's going to beat somebody they're not supposed to. It's it's going. I think it's going to be the wild wild west. I really do. I think that that, that it, it's and I potentially a team that wins the west could have two losses this year. I, I really believe that. I just think this is just one of those years where people are just going to be eight games in, still scratching their head, like you know, I, I don't I don't know because I mean, I didn't see in the Alabama game, but the people that I've heard, talked to that did see it. Didn't think they looked all that well. They didn't look disciplined. They didn't look mechanical. You know, they didn't look machine like like they typically do. They just looked okay. 
you know, and an okay Alabama team can beat just about all of the teams in the rest of the country, but not everybody. So I mean, you got to figure they'll get better. But this is one of those years where you know anything can happen. Yeah, so I totally agree, and and I do like, but I but I'll tell you this real quick. I love the ten game All SEC schedule because man, there were seven good games on Saturday. The SEC's got their own NFL on Saturdays right now. No, nobody yeah. cares about any of the yeah, other conferences. Yeah. Oh, no, no. Everybody's watching this. Everybody, well, okay, what SEC games on at eleven? And then there's one at two thirty, and then there's one at three, and there's one at six thirty, and maybe even one at seven. They 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 are I mean they are a little mini NFL right and I said on the common fan several weeks ago that if 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 it was just if if we woke up one day and the SEC was the only conference playing eighty percent of the country would watch it. Oh yeah, I, and I, I think they would. I could not agree more. But I said this before the season started, and I thought that this year the SEC was going to be as wide open as as I can remember. I don't know if there's ever been another year where I, I couldn't sit down and say, you know what, yeah, this team will be in the SEC championship. And after seeing every team play, I stand by that. Like, yes, Alabama beat Missouri, but, you know, they didn't cover the spread. I saw a lot of people saying, you know, we suck. Like, it's Bama, you don't suck, but I get what you're saying. The offense looks completely different without Tua back there or without Jalen Hurts back there. It's just a completely different team. Uh, I did like what I saw out of Florida, but then again, it's Ole Miss. Uh, they they have a new coach, Lane Kiffin. They put up 35 points, yeah, and they won. I think it was 51 to 35. But that defense gave up 35 points to an Ole Miss team that had such a bad season. They had to fire their head coach and hire a guy that could bring in a good offense. So I don't know, man. I like Bama, obviously. Uh, I think that this Saturday we have a really good mas- matchup. We've got Georgia and Auburn, and they are both teams that are pretty much second in their in their divisions. I guess you could say that Georgia's pretty much first over Florida in the East. But either way, you've got Auburn, you've got Georgia, and I think the winner of that game will be whatever division they're in, whether it's Georgia or, or, or Auburn. I think they'll be the ones to compete for the title of their division. I think it'll be a really good t- good game to tell just how good they are because if you think about it, Auburn also has a new offensive coordinator in Chad Morris. Don't get me started on him. But the, he is a proven – he is a good offensive coordinator. I don't know if it'll work in the SEC, and I watched him play against Kentucky, and it looked like they were getting used to it. But I think this Saturday will be a lot we'll, – we'll be able to tell a lot from the outcome of that game specifically. Totally agree. Georgia's got quarterback problems, too. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and like you said, JT Daniels is back, and we, I'm not going to go over it again. Um, but I think we'll see a more consistent Georgia team this Saturday, so we'll be able to actually tell. Uh, but like like Dude was saying, I mean, it's all SEC schedule. And going back to what I said, I mean, it's still SEC teams. There are no gimmies. I don't care if it's Vanderbilt out there. You saw what they did to Texas A&M. There's never a gimme on Saturdays in the SEC and everybody knows that. So I think it's very possible that a two-loss team, excuse me, could be in the SEC championship. Now, that kind of brings us, real quick, I just want to point out that that kind of brings us to the playoff. Is this going to be the first year you see a, t- a two-loss team in the playoff? Uh, you know, as bad as Texas and Oklahoma looked on opening weekend, what does that leave? Two ACC teams? an SEC team, and maybe a Big Ten. I, I, I don't know. And then nobody really knows what the Big Ten's going to have either, or the Pac-12. 
it's it's going to be an interesting year. For there's no doubt about it. Uh, the conspiracy theory for me this year is going to be the Big Ten decided to play football because they're guaranteed a spot in the playoff behind the scenes, or they never would have came back. I like that. It, it That's not that far out of the realm of possibility. Well, you know, don't get me started on the big thing. They thought I think everybody would follow their lead, and they found out that they are to the follower. That's right. And I think at the end of the day, the right, wrong, or indifference, it's better if they play. And I think the football committee wants a, a legitimate champion this year, as they do every year. And I think – and so my conspiracy theory is that they said, hey, look, you guys get back on the field. We'll get, we'll, you'll get a spot in the final four. What would you think about this year being the year maybe they just sampled an 18 playoff? Literally, that is what I was just going to games? ask. That was the question what would that I had. Be like? I mean, why, why, you know, wouldn't that be – that would be the time to do it? Well, I think that the uh, they wouldn't be able to start until probably after New Year's Day, and that would take this season, you know, up into this, mid-February possibly. Okay, well, they – they started four weeks late, so who cares if they go four weeks longer? No, I, I don't disagree with you uh, at all. But I mean, I, these are the never, same people that were talking about canceling the whole thing and starting in February. So what's that? I, I, I'm, you know, listen. I pay attention. You, you can say once a sleight of hand. You got to be a really good magician to work sleight of hand on me. You know, if if if, if we could start the season in February, why couldn't we end it in February? I guess is the basic question. Well, no, I'm just talking about everybody starting. You know, Big Ten doesn't start the middle of October. Are they having a condensed? Ske- are they having a ten game schedule like the SEC? I haven't seen that. I don't know. The they're having seven. Eight. They're eight, having seven, seven or eight. Yeah, I think Pac-12 and Big Ten's eight. I think. I think if nothing else, this is going to be the year that. It, expanding the playoff is going to be put into question because when it comes down to it, it's a weird year. There's going to be t- there's going to be two lost teams that deserve to get in. I mean, at, at least out of the SEC. I mean, you would think anyway, uh, just because well, of that SEC only, that, only schedule. Chance, one, there's a chance to make up some more of that revenue they lost. There's big TV money in adding four more teams. Totally agree. Yeah, no, that's that's true, but you know, I don't know if they'll do it this year. I, you know, you haven't seen anything about it, so you assume they're not going no, to. No. But I think this is going to be a year that they're going to have to start flirting with the idea of expanding because it's just so chaotic, and you truly never know what's going to happen. At the end of the day, it's up to and, these guys sitting in a room deciding who's the best team, which is what we were trying to get away from when we were at the BCS. But it's kind of just turned right back into that without a play-in. You know what I mean? So they're going to have to find a way to start pleasing people. It's the exact same thing. It's, it's all objective. There's no until you require to win your champion, conference championship to get in the playoff. It's always going to be. There's always going to be discussions around. Is it that's legitimate? An, or not? That's an original common fan argument right there. <laughs> We've been arguing that for the last ten years. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you got to The playoff is a whole. I mean, it's a great idea. It's a great concept, and I and I love it. But like B-Ray was saying, and I'm sure you've said in the past, dude, you've you've got to win your conference. There's no reason that it should be a four-team playoff and not all four teams have won their conference. I mean, that's why I like the oh, idea no, I of... I disagree with that at all. That's why I like the idea of, you know, having a, a eight-team playoff and having every Power Five 
conference champion an automatic in, and the last three are the ones you can leave up to objectively sitting down and deciding who's the best. Yeah, get three at large. You know, it, it, the thing about it is, at least in the four team playoffs, the four teams, it's, it's very hard for them to leave out. You know, I don't know. I, maybe the year they put Notre Dame in there and they got throttled, they didn't belong. But that's the deal they made with Notre Dame. I think for the most part, you get a you get two pretty good games in the semifinals. You know, I mean, it's hard to leave out. You're not going to leave out the two best teams when you when you have four. Now yeah. you're probably going to leave out two of the four best teams if you only have four. There's that potential, right? So I, but I, yeah, I, I, I'm like exactly like you. I had a whole conference realignment plan put together. Five, all five, power, and and their championship games were the first round of the playoffs. Yeah. Well, the only to me the only this is a common fan archive. There's the conferences are too big, and in the in the in the universe in in the in the optimal universe. They need to trim the conferences down to either 10 or 12 teams, get them away from 14, realign them, have eight super conferences, and all the champions go. Uh, I'm happy to come back and give you my breakdown, Austin, creating some new conferences, doing it mostly uh, geographically. Yeah. Uh, but I think with 14-team conferences, it's going to be hard to get to eight because there's always going to be two or three teams with the same – roughly the same record, then, you know, the object, objectivity is always going to be there. But for a true national playoff, I think the best way to do it is they need to just blow it up, realignment, realign it all, eight conferences, break up the Power Five conferences, turn into Power Eight, and then the eight winners go. Because theoretically, you'd have a 16-team playoff. You could say the championship game of those eight conferences wouldn't be theoretically a playoff game. Right. So, so if they don't it'd do be, that, how much longer do you think the Power Five stays with the NCAA? You know, they're getting all the money now. There's really no, there's really no – the only way that they may break out is, is it gets to the point to where the governing – they're not happy. They're not happy with the governing body, which is the NCAA. I think they're happy with it in every sport except football. And uh, I think you could see something as the the football only pulls away from the NCAA at some point. But I think for all other sports, I think they kind of like the way it is because the NCAA manages all the postseason, all of the uh, you know, tournament play, decide the national championship. That, that system's actually working pretty well. Yeah, and one question I, I want answered is how does the FCS have it figured out and the FBS, the big schools, can't get it, can't get it done? Money. Is, do you think it truly is money? Because FCS football... It, it all goes, I think it all goes back to the bowl system. Uh, the bowls the bowls have in the way, I mean, the bowls have stood in the way of a lot of competitional progress postseason, and I'm not sure where they got their power. Um, I think we've gotten as far as we have because, you know, the mothership came in and bought up all the TV rights to all the bowl games, which I think the bowl people were glad to do. But, you know, that, that whole generation wielded so much power with the NCAA, it made it almost impossible. Well, they were the money, anything. Dave. 
They were the yeah, money. Well, that's, that's, they, well, provided, right. they, they provided the capital for the uh, uh, for the league. They provided the capital for the championship. So, therefore, they dictated who was going to play where, Rose Bowl, Orange Bowl, Cotton Bowl. Now, they have no power. It's TV money. That's why the conferences are 14 teams. They're trying to get bigger matchups, more games. Uh, yep. The FCS, they came out of the playoff because it was the easiest way like high school, it's the easiest way to declare state champion. Get all your winners. And throw them out. D1, D2 have always yeah, had that, exactly. that playoff I mean, and that process in place. And, it, you know, and, and all the arguments they used to make for Division One not being able to do that fell on deaf ears if you look at the other two or three divisions that they have. It, it never made any sense, but nobody was ever – you know, my daddy always says, follow the money. You want, to know, yeah. you want to know, the answer to most questions that you have about yeah. things you don't understand? Follow the money and you, and your yeah. money, and you'll find your answer. Right, and that in Division One has playoffs for every other sport except football. So talking about and the it, bowls, it goes back just, to my theory of the bowls provided the initial. They provided the capital in the old days. That's where all the money came from. There was no big TV contracts. It all came from the bowl games. And so the bowl matchups, the Big Five on on New Year's Day, those, those were the premier games of the year. And that's well, what the talking about, the talking about the bowls, I have not heard anything official that they weren't having bowl games. I, I, I haven't. Think we've all just I haven't either. That they would not have them. I think the bowls are still in play because I have heard some people talking about, okay, well they take a five win team, you know, they got to be six wins, you know, what's, what's that going to be like? I, I don't think they've completely ruled the bowls out this year. No, they're obviously going to have two of them because they got to have the two bowls for the playoffs. Yeah. I don't know if anything's come out specifically, um, but you have a good point. It's going to be, it's always by invite. Yeah. You know, we always say six and six, you know, you win six games, you're bowl eligible, but it's not unheard of that a team with five wins make it into a bowl game. Uh, I think it's by invite. So if they do have it this year, it's going to be, you're going to see some weird looking uh, records in there, five and fives, maybe even a four and six makes it. I mean, I don't know if they do have, it. it's going to be interesting for sure. Plus, the matchups will be really, they'll be interesting. There's barely enough teams to fill the bowls with all everybody's playing. What's going to happen when you got a third of the conference is not even playing? So those teams are out. Pac-12, their eight, nine, ten teams are out. The Max, six, four, five, six teams are out. Mountain West, they're four, five, six teams. I don't think there's enough people to fill them. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. Hey, Ray, you're not standing at an exit with a sign, are you asking for money? <laughs> no, 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 no. Get that one. Oh, well, we're going to take it a... It sounds like you got scooped up by a UFO there all of a sudden. <laughs> it did there for a second. But anyway, we're going to take a really quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk a little bit of Titans, then we'll be done. We're almost out of time. We'll be right back after this. Hi, didn't see you there, but while I've got your attention, let me get you to go ahead and follow our socials. You can follow us at The Common Fan on Twitter, The Common Fan Official on Instagram and YouTube, and then all other podcast platforms is just The Common Fan. Can I get some more makeup in here? Makeup!
worried about getting sick? To stay safe, the CDC recommends you do five things. One, wash your hands. Two, keep your hands away from your face. Three, cough or sneeze into your elbow. Four, keep your distance. Five, if you're not feeling well, stay in. When you can't get to soap and water, use an alcohol-free hand sanitizer like Waltz Free. It's a lotion that's also a powerful hand sanitizer that works in just 15 seconds, lasts four times longer, and won't damage or dry out your hands, even if you use it many times a day. What it do? Welcome back to The Common Fan. I'm Austin Dunstan. If you haven't already, be sure to check out Walt's free hand sanitizing lotion at store.avcare.com. Use code TCF20 for 5% off your purchase. Dude, you there? I'm here. Well, I think B-Ray dropped off with from uh, from the show. <laughs> he took a knee. He took, he took a knee for the rest of the show. He took a knee because we were going to talk the NFL. Because we are going to talk the NFL. I just got a text message from him that said, I'm out. So, <laughs> But we're not really going to talk NFL. We're going to talk about the Titans because the Titans are 3-0 right. for the first time since 2008, I believe, which is a crazy – it's crazy that it's been that long, first of all. But it's, it's weird. It, it feels weird that we're sitting at the top of the AFC South. It doesn't feel right. No, it doesn't feel right well, and it hasn't really looked right. I mean, if you watch, they've won three games by a combined six points, <laughs> which, you know, it, it is a game of inches. It is the NFL. Uh, you know, as like we talked about earlier, that the degree of suck, the greatness is, it, the distance is small. It's a fine line. You got to take them like you get them. I, I have wondered, though, aloud if maybe, you know, because – you know, Frable and Robinson, they, you know, they come from that Belichick organizational mindset. And I just wonder if maybe we've been showing enough to win and maybe not putting it all on tape just yet. I don't know. There's so many games in the season. I don't know if that helps you. But certainly a three-game cushion, you know, over the loss column is a good thing. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, it's – it, I say it feels weird that we're at the top of the AFC South, but then you hear the stat that we've won three games by a combined six points, and you're like, no, yeah, that's about right. Nothing is ever easy for the Titans. It never has been. I mean, and on paper, this is a fantastic team. I mean, you look top to bottom, it's the best team we've had in a long, long time. Um, but nothing's just been easy yet, and I don't know if that's like you said, you know, they're kind of holding back a little bit, or if they're just still trying to work out the kinks because they too had a different offseason. Well, all I know is this. Four or five games into the season last year, I was screaming to anybody that would listen, run Derrick Henry. I don't <laughs> care if he gets you a yard in the first quarter. I don't care if he loses five yards in the first quarter. Run Derrick Henry. And and you can say, and typically, you know, I've told you a time or two, his first run from scrimmage yesterday got, uh, was six yards, six or seven. Right. Anytime his first first few runs are that big, he's going to have a good day. Now, they put eight or nine guys in the box to stop him in the second quarter, but they got tired of fooling with him in the third quarter. <laughs> they could not stop him. And 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 that's what I, 
that's the thing, you know, 30 carries, however many it is, if he is getting the ball and coming at you, eventually it gets old and, and they wear out, you know, as long as he doesn't wear out before they do. And, you know, I used to tell, I coached a little bit of Pop Warner and I used to tell the kids, you know, if you bring more impact to the hit than the other guy, you're going to win that and it is not going to hurt. And Derek Henry is probably one of the best, probably the best since Earl Campbell that brings more energy to the hit. I mean, he just gets a full head of steam and then just, just pummels whoever gets in his way. Even if you tackle him for the loss, you pay for it. Yeah, N- not to mention that the Titans have now moved to, I want to say, either 14 or 15 and 0 when Derrick Henry rushes for over 100 yards. How insane of a stat is that? I think it's a, it's a big stat, and it's kind of an testament to what I just said. He gets better as the game goes on. The first four or five games last year, when he was running for, you know, 2.3, 2.2 yards of carry in the first and second quarter, they would shy away from it. And I think they have – well, and they finally got some, some more tools. That, you know, maybe they have a better quarterback. I, I still hadn't made that determination yet, but they are they, – what they're doing is working. I didn't think Andy Hill particularly played a great ball game yesterday, but he didn't get his beat. So, right. And that's really all they need him to do, stretch the field a little bit. He's got some really good receivers. And that one guy, Davis, who's the the one in the contract? Oh, here? Corey Davis. Corey Davis. I mean, he's like somebody shot him out of a cannon. Oh, I know. You know, what? what he's got seven or eight catches a game. I mean, and nobody can stop him on that slant over the middle. Nobody can, especially. And, and when Tannehill hits him in stride, it's. Yards, you know, yards after the catch. Yeah, well, just wait till AJ Brown gets back to this offense. I mean, it's going to be stellar. It'll be an elite offense in the you, NFL. I truly believe that. You think AJ was hurt? You think AJ was hurt a little bit in the first game? Yeah, I think so. You know, I don't think he had any catches in the first game. He was very quiet. He had a couple, but uh, nothing, nothing to write home about. Uh, but one thing I do want to mention: talk about from the doghouse to the penthouse. Stephen Gostowski uh, screws. <laughs> yes, screws up royally in the first game. I mean, misses like four field goals, hits a game winner, and an extra point, and an extra point, yeah. hits a game winner. Okay, you know he can get back on the plane. That's fine. Second game misses another extra point. Oh my god! You know what? You can't you can't stay in the team facility. Uh, hits a game winner. Okay, you know what? Okay, you're fine. Steven Gostowski comes out there. Absolutely have to have every single point. And he hits six for six, including a game winner. That's three game winners in a row coming off of like a four missed field goal game to start off the season. I mean, that is the biggest doghouse to penthouse story I have ever heard in my entire life. I didn't know this. I don't know. I thought maybe I heard it on one of your shows, but it it could have been a show that he had some surgery in the offseason, like in October, like thigh or hamstring, or he had some kind of surgery. I didn't realize he was recovering from surgery. No, I, I didn't realize that either. Actually, until you I, just said I, it. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know who said it, but that explains quite a bit. But, you know, he, he some, I think it was James Lofton on one of the broadcasts, or maybe the Titans broadcast said, well, if I was only going to uh, have five drops all season, I'd just soon have them all in the first game. Oh, well, get yeah. Get them over with. I mean, and he hit, what, 51, 54, and 55 yesterday? Yeah. I mean, like it was, and could have hit him from. 58. Oh yeah, Nine. yeah for sure. I mean that's why the that's why the dude's a Hall of Famer. I mean he's been in the league forever, and 
you know, he, I think somebody asked him and said, you know, how do you recover from from missing that many field goals? He he just goes, you know, as a kicker, you can't really think about it. You just got to stick to your routine and trust. And I mean, he got he yeah, went back he, to his roots, and he has been lights out ever since. He almost got Lane Kiffin after that second game where they just oh left him gosh. on the tarmac. Oh <laughs> yeah, that's what I was saying. I mean, I think I tweeted out, you know, let him walk back to Nashville. And Massey, yeah, well, my, you know, Massey tweeted out, oh, he can get back on the plane now. I was like, no, he didn't because they didn't freaking cover the spread because <laughs> I had the Titans oh, in that game. God. But, no, I mean, I have hated on Gostowski ever since, I mean, the beginning of the season because it was just miserable to watch. And you hate to watch a game come down to a kicker, but he's absolutely nailed him when he's ha- them when we've had to have him. I mean, there's there's no yeah. – there's no way around it. I mean, I don't care what you say about the guy. The, the dude has ice in his veins. Uh, he's clutch, and we needed every single point uh, on Sunday, and he 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 showed up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, it, it's it's going to be. A, a, well, what about Jeffrey Simmons? What a beast! You know, a beast. We talked about losing Jarrell Casey early in the season, and I and I remember asking you. Specifically, you know, what about Simmons? Well, he's supposed to take that role, but we don't know. Well, I think we have some idea now. Yeah, he has stepped up to the plate. I mean, he, I mean, he's a difference maker, man. Every game, he's he's disrupting the pass, he's stopping the run, he's shedding tackles, he's putting pressure on the quarterback. I mean, the dude is everywhere, and this is just his second season. And we had an idea that he was going to do this because before the yeah. season, we said, you know, Jeffrey Simmons is great. But last season, he was just coming off an ACL tear. He was about 75%. What's he going to look like at 100%? And now that I've seen him, man, absolute stud. And how much – what a difference Jadavion Clowney make. Jadavion Clowney is a better football player today than he was two weeks ago. Oh, 100%. He, he, was, he was so fast yesterday. Well, you got to think. I didn't realize – I was wondering how he could be that fast and be as old as he is. But he looked like – he looked like his rookie speed yesterday. I mean, he looked awesome. Uh, you know, that first week, he had just gotten to the team. He was in the system for like five days before the game. And they play, were playing in Denver, thin air. You know, it was going to look bad. They were gassed. Still pulled out the win. But, you know, you're starting to see this defense come together. Yes, they let up 30 points to the Vikings, the 0-2 Vikings. They're not that bad. Okay, let's let's give them a little well, credit. because they wouldn't. They wouldn't cover that one player. Yeah, that's because Malcolm Butler sucks, and I will stand by that. Malcolm Butler is awful, and they will continue to attack Malcolm Butler because he's terrible. Um, there's well, no way around that. We're just going to have to hope. The show, huh? Do what? I said I guess this is a poor time to invite Malcolm on the show. He's not invited. <laughs> Unless he can start covering, <laughs> he's not invited. But, you know, the hope is that uh, uh, our safety play will make up for that, but it hasn't thus far because he's just been getting cooked, dude. I mean, just left and right. Malcolm Butler, what are you doing, bro? Come on. Um, but anyway, we are pretty much out of time. Uh, but if you want to hear more on the Titans, go ahead and check out the commonfanofficial.com. Massey has a really good article uh, just kind of overviewing his perspective of the team. Massey loves the Titans more than anything in the world. He is, an, I would call him, pretty much an expert on the Titans. Go check it out. Uh, I believe it's called uh, Feels Like 08. So <laughs> go check that out. But, dude, I appreciate you coming on. We're pretty much out of time. I guess that's it for the Common Fan. Uh, we will see you guys next time. Be sure to follow us on all our social medias. Go go check out the uh, uh, the website for sure. But uh, that's pretty much all we got. We'll see you guys next time. 
Peace.